straight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 60, we're joined by Chet Shishalski, Vice President on Highway Truck Business at Navistar, where we talk about how Navistar works with customers when it comes to fuel economy, his thoughts on the vocational business, how hydrogen fuel cells will play a part in long haul, and why the industry needs to work together to harness the momentum of electrification. Today we have joining us Chet Shislowski. He's Vice President of On Highway Truck Business at Navistar. And this is going to be a lot of fun. It's a real pleasure having you on today, Chet. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate being on and uh, talking to the team and seeing what's going on. Yeah, so full disclosure here, uh, many of you know this, some may not, but right off the bat, I worked at Navistar in product development along with Chet from about 1996 to 2009. I'm not exactly sure when you joined, Chet. I think we'll get into that, but uh, this podcast is called Mike Roth and Friends. Chet, you're a friend, (laughs) but do you you remember how we met for the first time? I started at Navistar um, like in 2005, and I I think I came across you, it would have been a couple years into the organization. I believe uh, we were starting to talk about no idle HVAC and and how can we do things different to reduce fuel or improve fuel, I should say. Um, I, I'm thinking I was back in body, running the body engineering group, and I was running the HVAC team as well. And and I think you were on the kind of forward thinking, advanced side of the house at that time. Yeah, I do. Didn't you spend a little time in severe service? That I did as well. Um, I did early years in body and, of course, HVAC. And then uh, after about five years at the organization, I jumped over into the vocational side or severe side of the business. Yeah, I was running that uh, vocational side from an engineering perspective and what we're doing for customers. That's correct. That's right. So we had basically the same job at different times. So I was doing yep. that and I was doing that in the early 2000s. And, you know, I I, uh, I, I think about the, that time a lot. I mean, we, we launched the, at the time, it was the 7,000 series, which is, you know, turned into Workstar. And I think today, Avastar, you actually call it the HV, if I, th- if I got that right. That's correct. Yeah. And so we were bringing an all new cab and mark, you know, product into a market that was um, pretty high market share in that time for, for Navistar. And I just, I learned a lot about how to uh, help customers get their specs right uh, in a changing environment, which is really what we've got going on now with so much technology change um, happening. Uh, quite interesting. Well, what do you, what, what, how do you think about the vocational business before we get over maybe in the rest of the time and on highway? The vocational business is very interesting right now um, with all the entrants and everything going on, the emissions that are playing out there. I look at the vocational business and still see that they're going to be required. Uh, you think about the snow plows, the garbage, you know, garbage trucks, uh, dump bodies and everything that's going on there. It's a very solid business, very stable business. And I continue to see us investing and doing our thing kind of on the HV and HX front. Um, there's not much change there, Mike, from when you had it. They're yeah. still rolling with the same kind of uh, work trucks that we need then. We need them now. Yeah, we we just released a report on medium duty electric trucks. And one of the things we brought out there, Chet, is that in these vocational trucks and even some of the trucks that move freight, whether it's, you know, stake bodies or, or uh, you know, box trucks and so forth, there's two companies that work together to build the truck. There's the cabin chassis and then the, you know, bodybuilder or truck equipment manufacturer. And, you know, as we move into electric trucks, we noted in that report that, you know, that that becomes challenging because you've just got a lot more engineering to do with respect to, 
you know, utility uh, buckets, um, you know, even like refuse trucks and packing and electrification. You gotta, I mean, right off the bat, before I, I guess at the early stage of this podcast, like, <laughs> what, what, what do you think about the challenges around re-engineering for, you know, say electricity instead of having engines? Well, I think the electricity challenge is in front of us. Uh, what do I think? Personally, I see um, the, the voltage, the truck itself, and I think we all understand this, Mike, the truck itself is going to be on a good solid foundation. Putting electric on chassis, I don't see as a big challenge. It's going to be a weight challenge, of course. The technology to run that higher voltage is going to be a challenge in the tractor. I think the infrastructure is where it's really going to be the challenge. I do think that um, we're, we're moving ahead. We have our EMV on the market already. We, that's our medium platform. We have our bus rolling already. Uh, both of those are launching in production. So when I look at the big picture and say, okay, we understand how to put electric products and technology on chassis. The question is, how does the infrastructure pick up the pace to support that, that chassis push? Right. I agree. And we, we, we think there are, you know, a lot of high volume, rather simple trucks, you know, day cab tractors, medium duty box trucks, um, step vans that are, you know, pretty straightforward with not a lot of body, not a lot of body requirements. And, that will then sort of, uh, you know, lead the way in electrification and cause us to figure out infrastructure and all the other things that need to take place. But, you know, I'm remiss, so Chet, so walk us through your career and, <laughs> and uh, you know, let, let, go back as far as you want to go. You know, uh, a guest on my podcast not too long ago said his first zero emission vehicle he worked on was a was a uh, uh, wooden go-kart. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he, he was going back to, you know, early days. You don't have to go to your childhood, but tell us about your career a little bit. Kind of what, what, what got you to being so passionate about what you're doing now? Well, I'll be, I, I started my career as an engineering guy. I, I started my career at Ford. Uh, this was a long time ago, like almost 30 years ago. And I ran most of, you know, about 10, 11 years there working in the main manufacturing, product development, learning a lot about automotive, if you will. I did a lot of time and, of course, validation. So just the typical engineering work and product development. Uh, from there, I, I started to work uh, as, as Ford started transitioning to the Visteon domain. I started to look and see what other opportunities or what else was out there. And I ended up landing at International. And I've been here for now going on 18 years. And it's been a lot of fun because I've spent time in all, all functions of, of international. You think about, uh, first it started with engineering. That's where I came into the organization directly in HVAC and body, did some time over in the vocational space. And then the fun one is I went to India for a couple of years as part of the joint, you know, joint venture that we had with Mahendra, spent a couple of years there, family loved that, good, good experience, you know, holistically. And then I came back here uh, and I was actually in sales for, you know, a good handful of years. And and had a good time doing that, learning a lot about the customers, learning a lot about their needs. And then that kind of transpired to where I'm at now, where I get to run the overall heavy business, understanding what does the customer need? What do we need to develop? What are the directions of our organization? Kind of think about profit loss, you know, what we're doing in that whole space. 
and that's where I'm at now. So let's talk about, you know, sort of what NACFI is about, and that's helping with efficiency. So how does Navistar or International work with your customers when it comes to uh, efficiency? I mean, there's a lot of trade-offs when you go to help customers procure these tools, right? I mean, there's the cost of the equipment. There's, um, you know, different ways they want to operate and so forth. So how, how does like just basic fuel economy fit into those conversations? And maybe here we'll just focus on, you know, heavy tractors over the road. Yeah, it works. Um, when you think about our relationship with our partners and our customers, we work very closely with them to jointly develop what their needs are. Uh, we They're using it every day. They use the products every day. So when I look at it from the heavy side, I really look at saying, you know, they're looking for smaller packages, longer ranges, and then what's that footprint look like and how can we get there? So we, we have joint partnerships uh, as we're developing our, our class eight tractor and we feel pretty good about the direction we're going, but working with closely with them about how the products come together is very important, not only on electric, but even on the diesel front and everything that we're doing. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we've learned a lot on diesels that apply to electric or whatever going forward is, um, you know, the, the trucking industry is about a lot of choices. And, you know, as we've analyzed it, you know, you, it, it's maybe becoming a little bit mitigated with the uh, greenhouse gas rule, but, you know, you could still spec a truck uh, or, you know, a heavy tractor that might be a five and a half, six mile per gallon kind of truck, or maybe a nine mile per gallon kind of truck, including the trailer that you're pulling behind it. So what, what, what drives customers as they think about those choices around, you know, buying equipment that's capable of much higher fuel economy or not? Well, I, I look, I mean, when we're working with customers, really it comes down to the total cost of ownership, not just fuel, but fuel is a big piece of that equation. So when we're going together and I mean, we're, we're coming out with a new integrated powertrain where we'll have the entire system and working closely with our partners uh, here, uh, our customers here, we're, we're introducing this new integrated powertrain, which I consider the first step to sustainability, the first step to fuel economy and that will feed into their total cost of ownership because we're reducing some componentry on our designs. So I think it's about the total cost of ownership. I think they look at the fuel economy and of course miles per gallon is an important factor. So we work with them to come together on, on how we're gonna launch this product. Yeah, you just said it pretty quickly, but I think you made a really key point there. And that is, um, you know, the first step in sustainability is improving the fuel economy of the diesel trucks you're already operating when you're talking about some of these fleets. I mean, I, I, uh, I corrected somebody just the other day who was saying, well, that's not decarbonizing. It's got to be zero emission. And I said, you know, basically said BS, sir, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, right. I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the way you guys think about it? And, and that's the reality of it. Seriously, Mike. I mean, I think about it. Uh, ice is going to be here for a long time. So one way to, you know, zero footprint is electric, but you still have to get your ice products cleaned up. And we continue to do that. Fuel economy matters. You think about that regional hall segment, long haul segment, long haul is going to be in ice for some time. Regional hall we see as an opportunity to convert and move over to electric. That seems like the more opportunistic location for electric. But in the long term, we're still going to have ice around. We have to make sure that our product has the best aero features, has the best combustion, has the best ice powertrain. They're going to bring the fuel economy to the next level. 
Yeah, I'm going to ask you kind of a little tricky question here, and that is, um, you know, we're sitting here with, you know, north of $5 diesel, um, sometimes, you know, in some places, $6 diesel. Now, who knows how long we'll be there? Um, but, you know, in the last decade, we've been at $4 for four years. We dropped down to, you know, two fifty dollars or $3 for four, five, six years, and now we're back up. So who knows where we're going? But when I got the fuel economy bug in that advanced engineering job at Navistar, I, uh, I was, when I looked at the history of fuel economy, you know, when fuel prices were up, customers asked and demanded those technologies. And when fuel prices were down, they didn't want them. And it was very difficult to plan engineering products and so forth as a truck builder or even as a supplier. And, um, and that sort of whip, whipping back and forth with higher fuel prices, lower fuel prices and so forth. Do you still see that? I mean, is, is this, um, you know, last six months of fuel price, do you have um, a lot more discussions with customers around their specs or is it something they've just learned to work on no matter what the fuel price is? You know, I think it is different now, Mike, with the fuel prices, but I still don't see a change in their behaviors. I still see when we're talking to fleets, they're aware, they're aware of it, but getting and squeezing the most fuel economy out of the tractors is paramount to all of their success. So they work with our applications team pretty close. We go back and forth on specs, what's going to optimize it. Think about the gear ratios. Think about the overdrive transmissions. We are actually working very closely with each of the fleet where they're operating and optimizing how they get the, the most fuel economy. So I'd say that's an advantage. And I think it's the same thing. It's whether it's $5 a gallon or $6 a gallon or $3 a gallon. It feels like the behavior of driving uh, the most fuel out of the vehicles is really risen to the top because they recognize how much money they can save and, and frankly, run cleaner. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, so I think my thoughts from a decade ago has changed a lot. And I think the, the whole attitude of the industry uh, around sustainability, around burning less fuel, creating less emissions, um, it, it's all getting, it's all into our, into our daily work. It, it, it's, it's similar to things like quality from the 70s and 80s or even safety, I mean, efficiency, sustainability, it's, it's not becoming something we do when we've got time for it or when energy costs are up, but something that's just sort of in, our, in the nature of the work, which is, a, which is a big change and I think very exciting. It is, it is. Quite frankly, as we watch this, this change, uh, we, we see it. Uh, we're, we're recognizing a lot of the conversations we're having with fleets today you know, originally it was about the ice spec, uh, what's the tractor spec. A lot of the conversations start with what's your carbon footprint look like? What's your, what's your zero emissions footprint going to look like over the future? And they talk about that first. We just had some fleets here yesterday and they were talking about, let's talk about zero emissions. What does your footprint look like? And, and when are you going to bring this, these items to market? So when you start going through those conversations, we always finish with ice because you have to realize it's here. The first topic uh, typically is electric. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit because, you know, um, NACV, we've been doing a lot of work on electrification and, you know, we sort of feel like um, it's important to set the stage right, expectations right, be aggressive in certain areas, slow down in some others because it's just um, so critical to everything we got going on. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mean, I got to throw it out there. Our belief is it will start with smaller return to smaller trucks, lower miles, return to base and sort of work its way up because, you know, we really don't have a solution for long haul. 
but um, you know, vans, step vans first, medium duty box trucks. I know you've got the the medium duty electric truck uh, available now and working on tractors down the road a little or working on it now for an introduction later. Um, how you see it as well um, with battery electric and then trying to figure out long haul with fuel cells or whatever else there might be. Yeah, through our, uh, our partnership, you know, the support, the Trayton group, it really comes down to what is our, our holistic strategy? And you think about it, Bev first, you've said it, we already launched there twice with the bus and the medium. We bring that onto the tractor and think about that long, that shorter haul, that regional haul, talk 150 miles, you know, they're in and out, kind of doing a lot of deliveries through the day. We see that as kind of the prime path with Bev. And then long-term, uh, we got to make sure that we're seeing what's going on, like the fuel cell. So we're going to continue to work on a hydrogen fuel cell. That will be something that will be in our portfolio in time. But right now, priority number one is Bev. That's that's kind of the, the first piece to the equation. It's the known piece to the equation. And we're working through that delivery as we speak. Yeah, and one of and one of the first applications in that, um, you know, uh, short haul city delivery sort of thing is beverage. So maybe, maybe we just coined a new term, Bev and Bev. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and, and one of the, uh, you know, we did some work uh, with our partner RMI and Geotab over the last six months. And I got to tell you, I've been in this business a long time and it has shocked me how many trucks operate 300 miles and less a day or even 200 miles and less a day. I just thought that they're, you know, that I kind of got caught up myself in this thinking that everything's long haul and, you know, long regional haul of four or 500 miles. Um, I don't know if you guys analyze that to, to extent, or even if you haven't, what's your gut tell you about the amount of, amount of trucks? I mean, I think there's enough there to start the scaling. Yes. I think the private segment, is really the one that really have to, especially food, wholesale, like the deliveries. Those are the ones that are running. I mean, a lot of their fleets are running less than 200 miles, Mike. It really gives you a chance to zero in on their operations because it's the ideal operations. They're in and out or they're doing store to store deliveries. And we're seeing that private segment as a big opportunity. And then of course you still have your on general freight, your LTL type carriers. They're moving a lot over the highway that's longer haul, but they still have stops in between. So you think about those, those shorter regional haul, those are really an opportunity for electric. And that's where we see it hitting first. Long yeah. haul is a challenge. There's no, no I think you're right. And I, I think there are a couple of other things around these shorter regional hauls. They tend to keep their trucks a long time, so they don't have to worry about you know moving it, or they or they get involved in in leasing, where some of these leasing companies can help navigate the infrastructure, the uh, you know the, the the resale maybe of the truck during its life, et cetera. So I I think uh, you know that there's a lot of of uh, really good parts of this shorter haul electric truck now they don't burn as much fuel. I mean, obviously if you don't go as many miles, you don't burn as much fuel. You don't save as much money as uh, you know, as, as the longer ones, but I think it's going to be a great proving ground. I think we'll look back five years and say, man, we learned a lot from school buses, medium duty trucks and the short regional. For sure. And I'd say, you know, even talking to the, the customers that we work with closely, they're adamant that electric is the solution for them in that 150 they really want to get their hands around the tractor, even though it doesn't do quite as many as a long haul, there's still a substantial amount of mileage and fuel savings, you know, when you bring 150 miles a day on a consistent basis. 
Yeah, we're all. Yeah, and what we're seeing with some of the early trucks out there is the uptime's really good. Um, now that may be just you know luck because well not luck but just because they're sort of hand built prototypes and maybe they've been you know but um, still uh, there's some early indications that you know not having all these moving parts no after treatment uh, on and on um, you know has an opportunity to save a good bit in maintenance now whether it'll be thirty percent sixty percent somewhere in between who knows but um a lot of very interesting exciting uh pieces to it um so then how will we figure out long haul my friend uh, i i spoke <laughs> i suppose that'll be a combination of you know making diesel better possibly looking at um more charging of these electric trucks maybe we can find opportunity charging with the mcs and obviously fuel cells but um uh is that something we just got to figure out over time with a lot of trial and error or how do you think about it yeah, I think about it as uh, first you got to have something, you know, in the pipeline. And I do think fuel cell is going to be a big piece of those real long hauls, the, the thousand miles a day kind of thing. I do think that fuel cell is probably going to come into play, but you hit the nail on the head when you talk about uh, intermediate stops, intermediate charging, you know, think about the infrastructure. There's a lot of work on that. We have the charging infrastructure, as we all know, is critical. It's the enabler to all of this. So as that starts coming on, and I don't know if it's trial and error as much as you just got to keep feeding into the infrastructure, because even on fuel cell, if that were the play, you still have an infrastructure play there as well. Right, right. So, um, you know, the, uh, you know, what's exciting for me is the, uh, a couple things. One, the trucking industry is becoming much more diverse and much bigger. So as you think about including utilities and EVSC suppliers and, you know, even now the, uh, you know, the increased regulations, I mean, there's just a lot more people out there to work with bringing a lot of solutions that both comes with challenges and opportunities. But in your work, do you, do you see that happening, that the industry is just bigger and more diverse and that comes with both challenges and strengths, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you see a lot more entrance. I think I understand your question. There's a lot more entrance coming into this, this, I guess, technology because more people are familiar with electric than diesel, in my opinion. And I do think it brings more people to the market. So you got components coming up. Uh, people are understanding how to use electric even on componentry. Uh, so you start thinking more and more away from the ice side of things. I, I do think there's more entrance and there's more competitiveness, if you will, in that space. Yeah, and it'll all shake out over the next years. Um, <laughs> hey, we're, we're starting to run out of time, but as you think about, uh, you know, your career and, and your, you know, current role and so forth, I mean, uh, you know, this podcast has a lot of very, you know, kind of a diverse audience, but what, what would you say to them uh, around this trucking, the future of trucking and how they can, uh, they can, you know, improve not only the efficiency, but sustainability of what we're doing. Well, electrification has momentum right now and it's here to stay. I see the momentum continuing. We need to get our head around it and figure out how we're going to support that momentum. Uh, the industry needs to plan for electric. We got to incre increase the grid. We got to increase the infrastructure. So the first and foremost, I think fleets should start looking at their infrastructure, reach out to us, reach out to our partners, understand uh, here's what they need to start electrifying there. You got to almost, you just got to try it. You just got to start using it. You got to start using the trucks, understanding what your footprint looks like. Uh, the pace of change, it just continues to accelerate in our industry. And, you know, Mike, you've been in this industry a long time. It typically takes a long time for change to occur. 
this seems to be the opposite of that. It seems like electrics, you know, just started hitting the, hitting the streets here in the last couple of years and the momentum behind it, you were at ACT, it really has taken off. And just, we need to get our head around, how do we support that initiative? How do we, you know, go after decarbonization? How do we support the infrastructure? How do we support the tractors? And ultimately moving towards that next level. Yeah, I think we'll close with let's. We'll close our talk with that with that thought. I mean, I think that the uh, you know there's no denial around this. This is happening and coming, and in a lot of what we work on, I think there's a time period of oh, I'm not sure. We're not sure. We're not sure. I think this is this is pretty sure. And so what I find is. Uh, a lot less, uh, you know, like everybody knowing a lot about electric trucks, I and mean, we don't have to do the the uh, the beginning or even zero emission trucks. We don't need to do the base work, um, and and uh, uh, so they have they come to it with a real knowing, and then they try to figure out how it fits in their business. Right now, we're for instance, if you're running um, regional haul tractors, but you also are involved in the warehousing and you've got some yard tractors, we say, hey, go buy a couple of electric yard tractors. I mean, it's kind of a a uh, bit of a no-lose situation gets you started in the whole electrification journey. So, um, you know, a lot of people are spectators now. Um, and I think uh, the opportunities to start playing and getting into the ball game and really figuring it out are, are coming fast. So I agree with you. Well, well I, look, I was going to say, I look forward to seeing how this plays out. I think we've been around the industry a long time. I mean, you've been around the industry a long time. And just seeing the momentum that's coming here, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And I think we all got to learn this together as we're moving down this path. Very well said, Chet. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been uh, an interesting talk. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosenfranz.